do before, just tell you before we get started here, we got the kids with us today, and especially for you parents, I just want you to just chill, okay? I want you to, you know, let your kids be kids. If there's some squirreliness and if there's some whining, whatever, you know what? It's cool, all right? It's all good. Let them just, let the kids be kids today. I think it's just a treat to have them all in here. So don't see it as a disruption or embarrassing that my kid is making noises. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Because if it gets too crazy, I'll just call you out anyway. So <laughs> I'm kidding. Just kidding. All right, let me pray before we jump into God's Word. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for what it represents. Um, the resurrection of your son uh, in order that we could have new life in him. And uh, we're just grateful for it. So now, God, as we look into your word, may it teach us, may it lead us, and it guide us, uh, show us the truth uh, to be more and more like your son and to fall more and more in love with Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen. All right, though, well, this morning, I'm going to try to keep this a little bit shorter because we got more stuff coming. We're going to do communion still. We're going to have a short baptism, all that stuff. So, but what I, so what I want to do is this morning, I want to zero in kind of, what I want to do is talk to you guys about fear, doubt, and despair. Welcome to church, okay? <laughs> We're going to talk about fear, doubt, and despair. Now, I know this isn't the kind of stuff you normally talk about or associate with Easter Sunday. Uh, this is the day that we celebrate that Jesus triumph over, the de- over death I'm demonstrating that we can indeed be promised uh, an eternal home living with him in heaven by receiving him as our savior. But interesting enough, fear, doubt, and despair are precisely the emotions that Jesus' original followers were experiencing in spades at this time, right after Jesus, a few days after Jesus had uh, been crucified. Think about it. I mean, their master, this guy they've been following for three years, their master, the one who was going to set up this new righteous kingdom, he was gone. I mean, brutally humiliated for everybody to see. I mean, think about it. Think about Peter. (laughs) Peter had denied Jesus three times after claiming that he would never abandon him. I would never do anything like that. And Peter did that. I'm sure he was feeling like his failures were final. And that there were hopes for, any hopes for forgiveness were completely gone for him. So he was feeling a lot of despair. The reality is that Jesus' followers were shocked over what had just transpired a few days earlier. And I'm sure they were beginning to doubt. I'm sure they were starting to have some doubts, if not most of them, about some of the things, if not most of the things, about Jesus and all that he said that he was going to do and all that he said that he was. So, and add, and so now to add to all that, to their doubt and despair, now was fear. And you got to understand, they had perfect right and perfect reason to be, af- be afraid. It's not hard to understand why they're so afraid. Who's to say that the religious leaders weren't going to come after them next? They didn't know. For all they knew, they were next in line to be brought in, interrogated by a kangaroo court and crucified. They couldn't have known that that wouldn't happen to them. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you to think about the last time that something happened in your life that caused you to experience either fear, doubt, or despair. I mean, maybe like Jesus' followers, you had certain expectations about life that really haven't materialized. Maybe you had certain expectations about your career or about your marriage or about your health. Or maybe you have those same concerns about your, ch- your own children. So you live with fear and doubt 
and despair. Well, this being Easter, or as some call it, the Resurrection Sunday, we're going to briefly look at how, by revealing himself to us, the risen Jesus provides the remedy for fear, doubt, and despair. Okay? The reveal, by revealing himself to us, the risen Jesus provides a remedy for fear, doubt, and despair. So listen, what we're going to do is we're going to look and you know, open your Bibles if you have them or your phone, but we'll also have the words up here. John chapter 20 and verse 19, okay? We're going to start there. We're going to look at about 10 verses, okay? So let's look at verses 19 through 20, okay? It says this, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I think we'll have that slide up there. Is that up here? Oh, it's just not up there for me to see. That's okay. I don't need to see it. Um, So here's what's happening. So evening, on the same evening, this is the same day, remember Mary Magdalene, if you know the story, Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb to anoint Jesus with some spices and things, and she sees that he is not there. Okay, he's gone. And now, all of a sudden, we find Jesus' followers gathered together. They're, they're, they're afraid. They're fearful. fearful. See how it says that they're locked behind doors for the very reason I talked about. They were up in a room. They were together. They were afraid. They had locked the doors. Okay, when all of a sudden, Jesus, bam, is standing. I don't know how that happened. We don't know. But all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in the midst of it, and he says, peace be with you. Something he says a couple more times as we're, as we're going to see. Now, peace be with you was a common everyday greeting. This was a common everyday greeting, greeting of the Jews in Palestine. They would say, shalom to you, okay? But that evening, it was no ordinary greeting. This was not the same kind of, hey, how you doing kind of thing at all. Jesus wasn't greeting his followers. He was pronouncing upon them peace that only comes from who he is and what he had just done. Okay, it only comes, the kind of peace he's saying is, listen, you only get this because of who I am and what I've just done, because what I've done is I have reconciled you to God through my death and my resurrection. I've brought peace between you and God. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've thought, anything, I have given you the opportunity to have peace with God, with him saying, come on in, come on in. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It's an amazing thing. Jesus is saying that because of who I am and what I just did a few days ago, you can now experience the ultimate in rest in contentment. Literally, what he's saying here, it's the abs, this word rest is literally the absence of a troubled or fearful feeling. Even in the midst, right in the middle of fear, doubt, and despair. What a great, incredible gift. In his account, Luke, when he writes this, if you read the Gospels, you'll notice these different takes on all this. It's their, it's their view on what they saw here. Luke tells us the disciples were startled and they're frightened because they thought they were seeing a ghost. <laughs> you know, this, this can't be real. We are seeing a ghost. But look what happens. Look what happens in the next verse, verse 20. Verse 20, he says, when he had said this, when he had said, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. 
Then the disciples were glad or overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So, okay. So to prove to them, okay, whoa, 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 I'm not a ghost. Okay, calm down. Here you go. Not a ghost. Here, I've, I have risen, that I've totally risen, I've bodily risen. He shows them the holes in his hands. He shows them the hole in his side where the spear had been thrust. So obviously, all of a sudden, they're like, oh my goodness. So realizing that this is him. He is here. They're like, they're incredibly stoked. They're so excited. They can't believe they're seeing who they're seeing. And what this does actually is, is a fulfillment of Jesus' words earlier in the, in the book of John where he says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament and the world will rejoice. That's what was happening. They were, they were weeping. They were crying. They were bummed. But people were saying, yes, finally, that crazy heretic is dead. He's out of our hair. But he says, you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. It's hard. It's hard. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. Well, I don't know about. No longer remembers the anguish. We were just, I was just talking to someone earlier about this. You know, when you're in the midst of having a baby, women aren't going, I can't wait to do this again. You know, they're thinking, no, but then all of a sudden they realize, I want to do that again because I have this child. It's amazing, the joy that it brings. And that's what he's saying here. For the joy that a human being has been born into the world, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. I'm going to bring you joy that you cannot fathom because of who I am and what I have done. So Jesus' followers become super overjoyed because they've realized that it truly was Jesus come back from the grave. Can't you just see the, can you see the turn of emotions here? Can't you just picture this room full of guys absolutely freaking out, so scared, and they're just coming down, coming slowly, coming down over, oh my God. I'm sure their head was absolutely spinning as to what was happened, as they were gradually understanding what had, had gone on here. You see, here's the, here's the point here. The point is there in recognizing and reminding ourselves of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. This is the very thing that can bring us peace in the midst of fear, of doubt, and despair. You guys, this is the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection is we can experience peace that goes beyond our circumstances because of knowing Jesus, okay? That's the beauty. That's what this day represents. That's how powerful and incredible this day is, okay? In one moment, these guys are bound up with fear, doubt, and despair, and the next they're rejoicing as it begins to sink in. It totally, it's okay. Like I say, he's just, he's saying, thank you. Yes. He's saying, yeah, he's, that's all right. Don't worry about it. So this is what the great thing they're seeing in the midst of all this stuff. What is happening? Wow. This is, I, I'm starting to get it. Now we see in verses 21 to 23 that believing that the risen Jesus is who he says he is also provides something that all of us desperately need. We want to experience that peace that we so strive for. But now we got something else. Look at verses 21 to 23. He says this. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So even though these guys, their fears are calming down, they're starting to feel this peace, okay? There's Jesus again. What he does, he, come, he come, comes to them and says, Peace be with you. You know what I get from this? This shows me that we all need to be reminded, okay, who is Jesus? What has he done? Remind me again, peace be with you. He says it again. Okay, here's who I am. Here's what I've done. Okay, I get it. Okay, it's like telling that kid, it's okay. No, it's okay. No, I'm here. I'm here. That's what he's doing. Now we see that here, just as God the Father had sent the Son to provide forgiveness of sins, now Jesus gives these guys a very important job to do as well. Okay, and in doing so, the first order of business here, he says, is to impart the Holy Spirit to these guys, okay? Now this is really important. You got to understand how important this is here because the truth is that the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus is crucial. I think sometimes we get freaked out a little bit. We think, oh, I don't want to be too crazy about the Holy Spirit because that just sounds like kind of weird stuff. No, you got to understand there's some important stuff about the Holy Spirit. And there are many, many misconceptions about the identity and the role of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is often seen as this mysterious, mystical third member of the Trinity. Yet the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a divine person, a being with a mind, with emotions, and with a will who was present with God and Jesus before all eternity. That's who he is. Now, the role of the Holy Spirit is to empower followers of Jesus to not only receive the truth. Like when you, when you understand something that you read in the Bible or something that I say, it's not because you went, oh, I'm really getting this Christian thing, or I'm really getting... No, the Holy Spirit revealed it to you, helped you understand that, and so that's what he does. But he also, the Holy Spirit, enables us to carry out the truth that it calls us to be like and to do. So when you hear something and you go, wow, that sounds hard, I don't know if I can live like that, you can't. You can't. That's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Because a lot of times we look at Christianity and we go, or we look at someone who's a Christian whose life just seems so different than ours, and we go, I could never live like that. This ain't going to happen. I can't do that. You're right. You can't. It goes against everything in your flesh. Everything. That's the, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to empower you to do what the truth that has been revealed to you, the Holy Spirit then shows you. So don't look at the Christian faith and go, that's not possible. It is impossible on your own. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's completely possible. And it's amazing. That's what his role is. Now, in breathing onto them, he says he breathed onto them the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is doing is he's actually breathing onto them the breath of eternal life in the form of the Holy Spirit. I don't get how this all happens. I, don't, I really don't, but that's what he's doing. Essentially, these guys receive salvation and forgiveness of their sin. And what's been done now to them, they are now to go out and tell people this is what's happening. They're not to go and throw it out. They're not to speak it to people, but they're to go out and speak that message. This is your job now. Tell them 
Forgiveness is available. Salvation is available. He's there. Here's the deal. By believing that the risen Jesus is who he says he is, they, these guys not only receive the amazing gift of salvation, but they get the glorious task of being Jesus's representatives of this marvelous message. You see, as believers in the risen Jesus, we not only receive this wonderful gift of salvation, but what we get is we get a purpose for life that is greater than anything we could possibly imagine. If you think, my purpose in life is to be a successful salesman. My purpose in life is to be the nicest person I possibly could be. My, pers- my purpose in life is just to leave the earth a better place than I left it. Those are all great things. But God is saying, I got a way bigger purpose for you that's going to bring way more fulfillment than that for sure. It's doing this. It's proclaiming the message of forgiveness and salvation to the world. Now, I know for some of you, you're going, that just sounds ridiculous. I'm not like that. Uh, You don't know how introverted I am. You don't even know how many doubts I have about this Christian thing. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling inept at being a follower of Jesus, or if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're thinking, that just seems crazy to me, I got to tell you, that's the job of the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what that's all about. We can't do it on our own. We're not meant to do it on our own. We need others. We need the Holy Spirit to help us and teach us. Then we get this sense of, okay, I get it. Do you think me being up in front of you guys speaking like this is something that is natural for me? Not in the slightest. Okay, I'm a big mouth. I, I, I admit, I'll admit that. I'll admit that. I like to talk. But to do this, what I'm doing right now, I got to tell you, this is a work of God. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. I am one of the most insecure people you will meet. I crave your approval. It's just who I am. So what? God called me to every single week to get up in front of people to perform, in a sense. That's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. But that's God. That's God doing something I would never choose to say, that's what I want to do, or that's what I should do. Why would, you, why would we put ourselves in situations where we feel like, oh my gosh, that might make me feel bad? But that's how God works. He puts us in situations, and then his Holy Spirit works in and through us and does these amazing things, and we go, wow, and there's nothing else we can say, but that was him. I got to tell everybody, because this is amazing, because this isn't who I am. This is what he's saying. This is purpose in life. So we get this purpose in our life. It's so wonderful. So I want you to think about it. Think about the world of influence that you have and what might be some ways that you can live out your purpose as the Holy Spirit works in and through you. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, okay, even as a follower of Jesus, you might be thinking, okay, you've got some, I've got some doubts about this. Okay, I'm not quite sure about this. Or maybe you know some people that have doubts about all this Jesus stuff? Listen, we all struggle with different degrees of doubt. We all do. Doubt is a normal reaction to things that we are uncertain about. It's completely normal, okay? 
And we have a good example here. This is what's so great. We have a great example in the next couple of verses. Watch this. Verses 25. Now Thomas, and we all know about this guy. Now Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the marks of, his, of the nails and the place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. <laughs> wow. So here we got, here we don't, we don't know where Thomas was. We have no idea where he was. He might have been out getting sandwiches or something for the guys when Jesus showed up. We don't know. We're not told. But all of a sudden, we see that he doubted, okay? He doubted what they were telling him. I mean, he needed not only to see the name. He, he was saying, I don't even just need to see it. I need to touch it, okay? I need to touch those wounds, okay? Thomas needed, he needed stronger evidence than just his friends telling him what they, what, what they saw. He needed concrete proof in order to believe. And we're going to see how he gets it in just a minute. And we need to not be too hard on this guy. You know, we get, we, we, get gout, we get down on good old doubting Thomas, don't we? We got, oh, doubter, what this doubting, how could he do that? Um, it's not, you know, it's not that he had no faith. And here's the deal. It's not that Thomas was a faithless guy, okay? Because doubt is not the opposite of faith. We think that all the time, that doubt is the opposite of faith. Oh, I can't, I don't have very good faith because I've got these doubts. Not at all. The opposite of faith, and we can go into this for a long time, the opposite of faith is control. I've got to control every situation, so I'm not going to trust. That's the opposite. So it's not that Thomas didn't have faith, okay? The reality is that we often doubt. Here's what happens. When we doubt, we do it in order to be sure about what we believe. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not really sure about that because we want to believe it, but we're holding off until, okay, I really, really believe Commentator William Barclay says it this way. I really like how he says it. He says, there is more ultimate faith in the man who insists on being sure than the man who glibly repeats things which he has never thought out and which he may not really believe. It is doubt like that which is in the end, which in the end arrives at faith. So it's not, don't worry about the doubt. Don't let the doubt be something that scares you off that I doubt so I can't be in. No, not at all. I think we can all identify with having doubts from time to time. Maybe doubting that God, okay, I've I've been told that God is this way, but I'm not sure. Or I've been told that God can do this, but I've never seen it, so I'm not sure. Especially when life goes sideways, we begin to go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait, what's, what's going on here? It's easy for that to happen, so don't be so hard on yourself when that happens. The truth is that the risen Jesus still reveals himself to us today, okay? And it is actually, he's more than willing to meet us right in the midst of our doubts. Please, I hope you hear that this morning. If you're someone that's got some doubts about this Christian thing, that you're, you're good, okay? I just want to say, you're good. You're okay, Thomas was the same way, okay? So we see this, and we see this as played out, how Jesus wants to meet us. We see it played out in how he graciously meets Thomas right in the middle of his doubt. Let's look at the last section. This is the last section of Scripture. Look what it says. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. And see my hand, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. 
Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, you, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So here we are eight days later and we find Jesus' followers, here they are again. They're behind locked doors and Jesus suddenly shows up and says again, peace be with you. They may, what I'm getting from this, they still needed some reassurance. And you know what? I know I do. I often need reassurance of the same truth that I've known since I became a Christian when I was 12 years old. I need the exact same reassurance over and over and over again. It's okay. Jesus understands. He gets it. This time, though, he goes right to Thomas. And notice how he graciously meets all of Thomas's demands. Look what he says here. He says, Thomas, put your finger here. Feel it. Thomas, touch that. Now, Go ahead, give me your hand, take your hand, and stick it in the hole in my side. Here, reach out, touch it. Go ahead. I want you to believe so much in me. Okay? He is more than willing. He doesn't chastise. I love that he doesn't chastise. He could have gone, oh, Thomas, what's going on? Thomas, don't you believe your buddies? You've been, you saw, why can't you believe them? He doesn't chastise them. He simply meets Thomas in the midst of his doubt. And he's more than willing to do that for you and I. You guys, he's willing to do that, meet you right in the middle of your doubt. When we earnestly seek him, the Bible even says that in Hebrews, it says when we earnestly seek God, we find him. When we're really willing to find, seek for him. Now, next we see that Thomas, is, he makes this remarkable confession. He says, he, he, he fights his way through his doubt and fights his way through to the conviction that leads him to say, essentially what he says here is, he essentially glorifies the God and Father of Jesus. He's glorifying God because of Jesus. He's, 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 he believes. He's all in. Not just who Jesus is, but he believes that God is in Jesus, that God is supreme. Okay. Now, you know, right, right after Thomas makes this declaration, Jesus says this interesting thing. He says that faith which results from, being, from seeing me is good. Okay, he says, hey, Thomas, it is wonderful that, that having seen me, you believe in me. That's awesome. But it's even better for those who have never seen me and they believe in me. See, in, commenting, in commending the believers, the Apostle Peter, he did this in 1 Peter. He went, these believers were going through some really difficult times, some really hard stuff due to their uh, trials they were going through. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter to these guys. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You guys, the bottom line here is that there is tremendous satisfaction and joy for those who truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is and will do what he said he will do. So, next time you find yourself behind those locked doors of fear, and of doubt, and of despair, Let me, I want to encourage you this morning, leave you with this, encourage you to remember that the risen Jesus has revealed himself right in scripture. He has revealed himself. Everything we want to know about Jesus is right there and the Holy Spirit wants to help us to understand. And he longs to meet you right 
where you are, right in the midst of that fear and doubt and that despair. And he wants to do that in order that you would truly believe in him, that he is who he says he is. Don't give up. You guys, don't give up on engaging with the risen Jesus. Because when, it's, when we're willing to engage with Jesus, when we're willing to seek after him, that's when he shows up. That's when he loves to engage with us and meet us and show us the incredible love he has for us and to offer us peace and to offer us forgiveness and to offer us this purpose for our life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for uh, Jesus. We thank you for the fact that we can doubt, we can have fear, we can despair even, and we can know that you still love us, you still seek us, you still reveal yourself to us. You tell us, come and see, touch my hands, come and see, taste, feel, touch, get to know me. Thank you that you meet us there. Thank you no matter what doubt anybody in this room is dealing with, you are willing to meet right in the midst of it because you are alive. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, we want to transition into a little time of communion here. For those of you who know, communion is, a, is really all communion really is. It's a time for us to remember. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And David's going to come on up and lead us in communion. I just want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for those who have, uh, are truly followers of Jesus. If you're not, if you're still, wondering, still looking at this, that's great. That's fine. Awesome. But we just ask you, if you want, you can still take, but we prefer ask you to take, let it go by. This is, for the, this is for those that have come to faith in Jesus to remember what he has done for us.